This is Spectre Radio. I am your host, The Shadow, also known as that one crazy fucker. Um, and before I do bring in our guest, I do have some quick announcements that I want to make. And the first one is that I do a lot of graphic design work and video content and things like that. And you can find me on Facebook under Breakaway Media. Uh, whatever you need, everything short of providing a server or printing, I can design it for you. Uh, also, if you are interested in checking out other paranormal content, you can take a swing by Parapost Network. Uh, there you'll find all kinds of other shows, um, you know, paranormal, uh, stuff not about the paranormal. Uh, if you have a show that you would like to get on this network, you can reach Parapost Network, and they would be more than happy to help you. Uh, also, uh, I'm not going to forget this. Coming up. In just a few short months, we have the Global Ghost Hunt, and that you want to, you don't want to miss it. If you have a team and you want to get involved, if you have a location and you want to get signed up, whatever the case may be, go to www.globalghosthunt.com and register today. Uh, like I said, it is coming up in just a few short months, so get on that and let's try to make it a real big event. And last but not least, uh, something that I've just recently started releasing. Uh, the first issue is out, and that is the Phantasmagorian magazine. It's a digital magazine that you can read online. You can also download it. It's uh, accessible by both Android and iOS. Um, real quick, I do have a couple of people in the comment section that I'm just going to give a quick shout out to. Uh, one is Anna Brandemark from Raven's Head Paranormal, as well as Paraphobia Radio. Um, thanks for stopping by. And uh, we will definitely, you'll be seeing us working together on some other shows. She's got a couple of guests lined up already. So I will definitely keep you posted on that with the Spectre Radio page. And also, Joe. Um, oh. Sorry, getting used to my new setup here. Um she had the podcast as well, and forgive me if I don't remember the name of it. Uh, so, Joe, if you would be so kind, put the name of your show in the comment below, and I will get you out there. And as I was just talking about Parapost, Mr. Parapost himself, Brian Laverty. Thanks for stopping by, Brian. Um, like I said, Parapost Network, check it out. Uh, our guest tonight, she has, a lot of people know who she is. And even more people know of her one location, but she managed to get a second acquisition, which we will talk about later on in the show. Um, if you haven't heard of the Boyd Hall, you've come to the right place because this is where you're going to learn about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, the owner of Boyd Hall, 
Joe Shelley. Hey, hi everyone. Thanks for having me tonight. No problem. Uh, it's good to have you back. I mean, the last time I talked to you was a year ago, just before Global Go, like this year. And uh, at that time, you only had Boyd House. Right. And um, the second location that you got is the, uh, the Masonic Lodge. Yeah, yeah, just went a little crazy, actually. Um, she just kind of fell into my lap, so <laughs> I had to get it, um, you know, Illinois a little bit farther away from me being in Minnesota. Um, but like I said, I, it, it was just, she just called to me, so. Right. Yeah, it uh, it can be pretty crazy around here sometimes. And, oh, uh, yeah. Coffee and Clarity, that is the name of Joe's show. So, again, you don't want to miss that. So, check that out. Um, also, Sean Ellis from Eternal X Roll Pack. Uh, he has a show which I will be appearing on on Sunday. And uh, then we have Nathan Hardister, who is, who is also a graphic designer. And he does some great work as well so if you're looking for more work check him out uh you won't be disappointed and uh let me here we go all right now we'll kind of start at the beginning you know i mean i, I want people to understand what got you into the paranormal which eventually led to the boyd house so how did that all start um back you know back when i was a young kid and i think a lot of investigators say the same thing they've always kind of been drawn to it as a child i think um again it's like a calling for some people um mm -hmm. i was just always really fascinated as a child and then uh, my first experience was at my grandma's house when i was sleeping in the girls room and there was a room um across from that that none of us kids ever liked i always felt like something was staring at me that we weren't welcome in that room uh, but one particular night I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard footsteps coming out from that room and then it stopped in front of the door I was sleeping in. Uh, but my back was to the door and I could feel like somebody staring, you know, very intently at me, but I was too scared to right. turn around. And then it just kind of turned around and walked the other way. And then, of course, you know, as a kid, I just threw the blankets over my head and went back to sleep eventually. Um, but in the morning, my grandma just kind of nonchalantly like, Oh, honey, it was just a ghost. Not a big deal. He won't hurt you. And I was like, oh, grandma doesn't care, you know. Like most grandmas would be like, there's no such thing. Um, right. And so that just kind of made me uh, feel the fire, I guess, to find out more about spirits. And so I just kind of spent a lot of time doing research. Um, and in 2010, we formed a group, St. Croix Paranormal. Um, and then we started just kind of doing local ho uh, homes, local businesses, uh, and then eventually started out traveling to well-known haunted locations in search of answers, uh, which got my idea of having my own location. And so then in 2018, I was able to financially uh, pursue that goal and came across the Boyd House and ended up purchasing it. Purchasing it. Uh, and then it's just it's just been such a good success since then. You know, it started out pretty slow, but you know now we get you know quite a few people. It's booked quite often. Um, we get a lot of repeat people which says a lot you know for location right. people who have come three four or five times so what okay so when you first got boyd house and you're kind of doing a walkthrough did you ever think that you could actually turn boyd house into something that you know um like an, an actual 
certifiable haunted location for people to come to? Yeah, you know, when I when I first did the walkthrough, um, just waiting outside because um, my realtor was running late, I kind of felt like something was staring at me from the window. Mentioned it to right. my teammate, and she felt the same way from the attic. Um, when you got in there, it was very cold in there, you know, like a cold feeling. Um, but she knew something was kind of from lur lurking from far, just kind of looking at you, like not really sure um, right. what was going on. We did get um, a spirit box response of a woman saying, who are you? Uh, which makes sense because, you know, the house had been vacant for quite some time before we purchased it. Um, right. So just kind of and just different things. We got some REM pod interaction when we got it. Um, so, you know, I, and I had a, a psychic medium tell me that there was, you know, children and men and women there. Um, just a lot of things that she mentioned had come, come true, um, as time went by, as I owned it. Um, funnily though, when I first, so after I purchased it, um, I did get the very first night that I stayed there, uh, which is what one of the mediums had told me. She's like, oh, you're going to, you're going to experience them come through the back door the first night you stay there. And when I walked by one of the basement door, I heard this loud bam, like three times, bam, bam, bam on the door. You know, it was, freaked me out. I jumped really high because I, you know, I wasn't expecting anything. Um, right. And I tried to debunk it. Like, was it, you know, because it goes down three steps and then there's a door to the outside and then the more steps go downstairs. But there's not enough draft or enough pull for there to make that three bam, bam, bam sound. And it wasn't more like the door was shaking. It was more like an actual knock. Um, so right. I, I couldn't debunk that uh, at that time. Uh, but then after that, everything was really quiet for about a month or so. And I thought, oh, gosh, did I make a mistake? <laughs> you know, I'm like, <laughs> not really haunted. Um, and I spent a lot of time um, with the spirits, talking to them, trying to get to know them, explaining what was going on. Uh, I think one of the final breakthroughs is I was in um, the kids' room. And I had one of those little EMF bears. So if they go off, you know, he, he detects the EMF, he blinks. Um, right. And mind you, several times, you know, I've had the house for like a month, month and a half. I had nothing go off, no EVPs, no nothing. It was just like being at somebody's house as a guest. I wasn't getting anything. Um, but I sat in the in the boys' room, what is the boys' room today, uh, and meant, and just sat and talked. I'm like, look, you know, if, if you guys are really here, I just need to know, like, and people will talk to you. People will bring you gifts. Thing, you know, you'll get all kinds of stuff, you know, um, but right. you just kind of touch the bear. <laughs> and then I, and then I left and then that, that darn bear went off on and off for like two hours. And then, yeah, so that, that kind of spiraled things in. And right after that, then we just started getting all kinds of different activity, you know, um, footsteps and doors opening. And then um, it started to be adult interaction because we would hear women talking. Um, I've woken up um, early in the morning and I'll hear the, the cupboards we have in the kitchen are, are metal, the old metal cabinets from the fifties. So, I mean, oh, you, yeah. you can hear those banging around um, sometimes. And uh, one of my favorite stories for me is I woke up one morning, uh, all my team members were sleeping downstairs. I was sleeping upstairs uh, we have the old floor grates, you know, that you can hear everything that's going on from floor to floor. And right. it, was just, it was just a nice summer morning. I had the window open, you know, and I was just like, oh, you know, I just want to just relax and lay here. Sun's coming up. And then I started hearing women's voices from the kitchen. And I was like, oh, the girls are up. So then I go downstairs and they're all dead asleep. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just go down in the basement. I'll start cleaning up equipment, getting things ready. 
Um, and then I'll right. say, I heard footsteps going around up in the kitchen upstairs. And I'm like, oh, well, they're up now. I woke them up, right? So I go upstairs and they're all still sleeping. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you guys are messing with me today. So, you know, when, you, when you're talking about the bang trying to debunk it, um, I haven't been there yet, but I've seen quite a few photos of that location. And you're out in the country. And oh, yeah. yeah, we're just out. We're it's a small town uh, again called Boyd. Uh, about 175 people in there. Uh, we're about 145 miles southwest of the Twin Cities, about an hour mm -hmm. from South Dakota. Um, when you come into town, it basically you're driving through nothing but farm fields, corn fields, and poof, there's this little tiny town of like a block, and that's it. <laughs> so, right. yeah, this is literally, literally one of those towns where if you blink. You will miss it. Definitely. Um, now, what I what I noticed in the picture, though, um, the tree line is actually a good distance away. So I would imagine you would have seen something. Right. If somebody was trying to pull a prank on you. I mean that you know. I mean we're not talking like you know a couple feet away. We're talking like you know at least what a half acre away. I mean like a good yard, uh, a distance yeah. between you and the tree line. Yeah, just uh, just the way our lot is set up. I mean, we have a neighbor across the street, um, mm. and then there's a business next to us, which obviously at night they're not open. Nobody's there. Um, just a right. part. And then there's like the church is next to us, but it's not the church. It's just their land. Like there's nothing there. You know. <laughs> so okay. So, yeah, we have the railroad that's kind of behind us, um, so you'll still get the train coming through. So I think you get a lot of energy from that as well. Um, but yeah, for somebody just to randomly come up and do that, and they that that bamming would have had they would have had to actually been inside the house in order to do that. As oh, well. okay, yeah, yeah, because it's a double door, so you have the door, right? Yeah, that, that's upstairs, and then it's three set of steps, and then there's another door to the outside, and that's dead bolted and door locked knob, so they can't get in. And then the other three steps will lead down into the basement. You know. When, okay, so the first team that actually comes in once you've gotten the property and you opened it up for uh, public investigation, so to speak, the first team that came in, did they get anything? Oh, gosh, yes. So the, the first, uh, other than my team, of course, um, right. was, was um, After Hours Paranormal. And they got okay. about... They got about a good, they got a lot of EVPs, but about 20 really, really good EVPs. Nice. Uh, like they had one man say, and it sounded like he probably was talking to the children. I'm not sure in what relation to it was, but it was just a class A where he's like one at a time. So I don't know if he was like trying to tell the kids one of the, you know, something. Right. Um, it's really cool that they got that. They got quite a bit of in, uh, equipment interaction. Um, she's also a psychic medium, so she actually did say that she saw Fred, um, and he's one of the the main men in the house right. that actually passed away. Um, and then she kind of described him, and and you know what what pictures I've seen, it it was pretty legit. Uh, the other thing I thought was really really interesting is um, there was a. I don't know what year it was, but there was somebody. They, there was a an old woman who used to live there. Uh, she had a lot of uh, antiques worth a lot of money. She was robbed at one point uh, and they mm. tied her up and put her in the closet. 
And she picked up on that energy. And I, I had never told anybody that story. And she just said, I, she's like, I just got flashes of, of somebody being tied up in here and terrified. Um, you know, again, she didn't die, but you were getting that imprint of that right. energy too. So I, I thought that was, you know, being as that she had that same experience, not knowing that story and then telling me she also saw Fred and he told her she was, he was Fred. Uh, so that kind of made it a little bit more uh, legit for me in my book. Right. Now, <clears throat> with all the people that have come in there, what has been the best piece of evidence, whether it's yours or uh, one of the other investigators, what has been the best piece of evidence caught to date from the Boyd House? You know, I would say that um, I think the best piece of, of, you know, there's been so many interactions that people have had. Um, but as mm -hmm. far as if I had to pick something, uh, it would be some shadow figures that was captured by a Northern Outer Realm uh, Paranormal. They had a camera facing from the living room into the kitchen and okay. they actually caught two shadow figures. And I have always, I've known that there's children in the house, but I always felt particularly that there was probably something that was like an eight year old boy and 11 year old girl. And it almost mm -hmm. matches that shape or size of what children would have been. Um, and nice. there was two shadows. There's like one, two, and it was really, really quick. Um, and other people have said that they've seen shadows. The way that the kitchen is set up, there's absolutely 100%. There is no way any car headlights could get into that area. Uh, so for right. that to actually happen, um, it was just incredible just to see that. So it was good validation on on what I felt. Okay. Now, what has been like the one story that you heard of, you know, where people are so terrified where they either refuse to come back or, you know, it left them clearly invisibly shaken. What's been the one experience that you've heard or even experienced yourself? Uh, you know, nothing that's really shaken me there. Um, you know, I, I, I think they, um, I've been told that one of the, that Minnie, um, one of the main spirits, she really kind of protects me from some of the shenanigans that go on there <laughs> because right. she likes that I clean and I talk to her all the time and I bring her presents. Um, but I do know probably like shortly after it was the first year that I opened, there was a, a group of like, I think two or three girls that came and they, they had messaged me later and said they didn't make it through the whole night and that they apologized that they um, had left everything the way it was when they were there. Like they had all the blankets out in the living room and stuff. They said they couldn't <laughs> handle the noises um, and things that were going on in the house. It was just way too much for them. And they, I think they said about like midnight, they just ran out of there terrified. Um, they did come back at another time and um, with more people and um, they did make it through the night at that point. But she said that when she was trying to sleep, that something was like brushing her face <laughs> and stuff. So uh, so yeah, they did get, they did, they did make it. Um, and they still had activity too. So. Well, I mean, okay. I, to me, that's just a little odd because number one, if you're going on a paranormal investigation, you should kind of expect that this could potentially happen. Right. Right. The other thing is when you go to a place like Boyd house, which has, uh, documented and, uh, known history of paranormal activity, why are you sleeping? <laughs> you know, well, I don't um, know. I tell you, when I go to places, it's because I drive and it's a long haul. I am sleeping, and people well, yeah. are 
People are like, oh my God, you sleep there? I'm like, eh, it doesn't bother me. I've slept in asylums, you know, jail cells, you know, you name it. I've been sleeping there. <laughs> <laughs> so aside from the Boyd House, what has been your, your most intense experience? Oh, gosh, there's been so many. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. I'm just trying to think. Me personally, um, I know, you know, there's just been different things where I've been scratched and pushed and touched. Um, you know, I, I can always remember like my first investigation that we went to that was not, um, you know, somebody's private home and stuff. Um, I went to uh, this the bar. There's a bar in town called Pub Monique. It's it's not that called that anymore. Um, it's been it's been changed hands many many times. But on the right. Just a lot of different activity. They they uh, called us out um, just to see what was going on because their employees, like the dartboard was turning on. None of them wanted to go in the basement. Um, they were all kind of freaked out. Um, when we did a little bit of digging in history, we do know that uh, there was a woman, a lady of the night, that was actually pushed outside of a window to her death. Um, and mm -hmm. she's seen upstairs um, just kind of walking around. And actually somebody I work with, um, said that she had gone upstairs. Um, so it's like a two level and sometimes the upstairs is not open, but their restroom is upstairs. Um, right. She went up there to use the restroom. And as she walked by, she saw this woman standing in a dress staring out the window. And then she came back out. Woman wasn't there. So when she went down to the lower level, was talking to the bartender and she's like, Hey, you know, I saw that. She goes, no, it's not open. Nobody should be up there. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of interesting that she did that. But when we were there, um, we were actually audibly hearing voices and, um, that was the first time I actually saw a shadow figure. Um, it got really, really cold in the room and I had mentioned it to my one, my friend Krista. I said, Oh my God, I'm just like freezing. It's actually like 110 degrees out. It is so hot out. Right. Um, yeah, it is air conditioned, but all of a sudden it became like ice cold. Like you had the goosebumps. It was so cold. Like you almost wanted to put a sweater on or something. Right. And we just happened to look over by the windows and we saw like this black, to me, it moved very strobe motiony, um, but, but very fast and, and just very, almost like a, like, like almost like how you'd see a grim reaper in a way, you know, just that, yeah. kind of that body shape. And um, I just looked at her and I go, did you just like see that? And she's like, I did just see that. Um, what was really awesome. We did actually capture that on film. Um, so that was, that was really, really cool. Um, but yeah, just, just to see that it was just incredible. I have never seen anything since. Um, I haven't seen any apparitions. I haven't really seen any shadows. Maybe some things have caught my eye or I may have thought I saw something. Um, right. But that, that was just something I'll just never forget. Well, I mean, you're lucky enough to have a friend that stays with you. I mean, knowing my luck, if I have something like that happen to me, I'll be like, did you just see that? And then I'll be waiting, and I turn around and look, and whoever I'm with is going to be gone. <laughs> um, and, you know, okay, so we have, <clears throat> we have all these interesting cases and theories about the paranormal. And when you look at the history of a lot of these locations, some of them are just amazing. Some of them are tragic. Uh, which location has given you the most interesting uh, experience in research? Oh, gosh. You know, we get a little bit of something from everywhere. Right. Uh, 
you know, we've, we even at Phyllis Cass Murder House, we've gotten, you know, the kids talking to us, you know, um, that they said they wanted to touch our things, um, you know, because we had different toys and, and such out like that. We've actually had captured them talking to each other. You want to play? No way. Uh, we've been to an asylum, too, uh, as well, that had burned down uh, twice, actually. And we were walking through the basement and captured an EVP that it said, and, and just plain as day, it said, the building's on fire, don't you know? So it was just very interesting. It's like, I, I kind of wonder like, oh, did that spirit like actually see flames and thinking I'm walking through the fire right now? Or is this, right. a, or is this residual? Uh, but interesting enough too. later up on the second floor, we caught a woman saying, hi girls, pleased to meet you. Come on in. I mean, this is a huge sentence <laughs> for a spirit right. to say. And, it, and actually in that asylum, it was just me and Teresa, this huge asylum, just us two. And, um, you know, they don't have anybody on site, anything. So it's just, yeah. And, and we had actually caught a shadow figure on film, um, but also she had seen a shadow as well down right. in the basement too. So it was, it's just kind of compelling too when, when you know something like, it's like the building was on fire, you get an EVP that talks about it. Um, so that, that, that's kind of cool. But I would say the creepiest thing is uh, Whispers Estate, um, kind of known for a lot of negative uh, type energies. Um, right. There's a, there's a closet there, um, Virgil's closet. He was a caretaker of the, of the grounds. Uh, when he passed away, it was the day of his retirement. He dropped dead in front of the closet. So he's kind of ticked off about that. Um, so anybody who's in the closet, by the closet, they usually get a lot of negative, a lot of scratches, a lot of pushing. Some people get locked in the closet. Uh, even the owners who were there, they're like, if they come up there and the doors open, they will not come upstairs. Um, so of course, you know, we thought let's go stand in there. Cause you know, that's logical to do. And, um, <laughs> you know, and when I'm talking closet, it's big, it's open. They have like a small table and two chairs. They got a bunch of stuff in there. So it's like a pretty large type closet. And Teresa was sitting on the chair and I, in my head heard a man say, get out of this closet. I stepped out, but I attribute it to the fact that I always have a fear of getting locked in something in, in a place. Like I don't, yeah. you know, it's just a big fear of mine. Like, I, I mean, a room's different, but when, if I'm in a closet, I'm like kind of a little freaked out about it. Um, so I just stepped out, didn't say anything to her on review right after that. The spirit box had shut this door and we didn't do that either, obviously. Um, right. so Shortly after that, Teresa and that chair came launching out of that room about four feet across the room, and she landed on her hands and knees. Um, you know, I, I mentioned, I go, well, did you just tip over? And she's like, well, I wouldn't be four feet out of the closet if I just tipped over. I'd be right here. <laughs> you know, so, and she goes, I physically felt the hands, like, and the power of the push. Um, right. so, yeah, so that was that was kind of probably the most epic thing I've ever um, actually witnessed you know, we've, we've caught so many things on film that I was like, whoa, did that just happen? Uh, yeah. You know, I think, I think one of the coolest things that we captured on that is we were at uh, Indiana state sanitarium and we were okay. on the, uh, the mental side of the ward. And Teresa said, well, she's like, Oh, I think something just, you know, brushed my head. But what, because she was talking, she didn't realize is something actually, it was a piece of they have like old uh, plates, broken plates and stuff in that room. Mm -hmm. Something threw a broken plate at her. It swooped by, barely touched her head, hit the wall and smashed. 
So it was thrown way all the way across the room. Wow. Um, and we got we got that on film, not of it actually being thrown from, but you could see where it kind of real slow, and then you could hear the smash and the and it hitting the wall and falling down. Um, so that was that was kind of a cool thing. Is there a place you wouldn't go back to? Um, you know, we used to say we wouldn't go back to Whispers Estate just because of you know, what happened to Teresa and we constantly mm-hmm. had that energy on our face, you know, the constant uh, cobwebs and stuff. Um, and it just so much crazy stuff happened that night, wet footprints we saw. Uh, but we did about three years later, go back. Teresa refused to go back. She wouldn't go. So I don't know. It was a little, a lot mellower night that night. And I don't know if maybe it's cause we didn't have Teresa, um, but it was just a different vibe and different feel that night. But I right. think, um, for the most part, like the Sally house is probably the only place right now that I won't step foot in. I've never been there, but I hear a lot about demonic things and uh, things yeah. that, you know, have happened with teams after things that people have told me that before they went um, just some of the negative dreams they'd have. And I don't know. Right. I just, I just, I don't know. I, I just can't go there. I, I had some, Someone tell me they were there and they had like growls going on and a lot of banging and their EVP said, Jesus won't save you. Um, so it just makes me not want to go there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I have a location kind of like that myself. And uh, there's a series of caves along the Mississippi, uh, the Wabasha Street Cave. Oh, yeah. I've, they, I've never been in there. Yep. And, you know, if you actually go past the venue down that service road there's a you know this is before they tried to blast everything shut and seal them off there used to be this turnaround that was actually where a lot of the water would come from the uh, runoff and we would park down there and we'd go up the 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 side of the bluff and start looking at cave and there's one cave that's called the altar and this it, it starts off in a big cavern goes down to a needle tie and you have to literally crawl military style through, and it's only like about a couple of feet. But then it opens up, and on the back wall there's this, uh, an altar with a pentagram carved into the sandstone. And one night, my buddy and I, we were, it was like fifteen of us. We all started going up there, and he was the first one to go in. And all of a sudden, all you hear is "Nope, nope, nope," and he starts backing out. And we're all like, "Yo, dude, what's up?" He goes, "The candles are lit, and there's something dark in that altar." I'm out of here. And uh, that was uh, almost 30 years ago. So a few years ago, Neil and I decided, you know, we'll go back to that area and we'll check it out. And I said, I don't want to find that cave. I I do not want to be anywhere near the altar. And like I said, they blasted it shut and they tried to seal off a lot of them. So I couldn't really recognize any of the caves anymore. And we found the one cave and I noticed some markings around the outside and I instantly had a sickening feel in my stomach. So I grabbed my SB7 and I put it on a speaker and I stick my hand down the hole because the opening, they filled it up with cement and there's only an opening that you can get your arm through. And I stick my hand partway down the hole and I'm like, is this the altar? And I heard, yes. Turned off the SB7, put everything away, walked right back down that block. I'm, yeah, I, I understand places you don't want to go back to. And mm. sometimes you go back by accident, not realizing. And then that's where you start to realize, you know, 
you may not be as tough as you think you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Now, the Masonic Lodge, how did you come by this one? Uh, well, you know, I'm always looking for something bigger and better. Uh, yeah, I kind of mm-hmm. wanted a commercial property as well. Just, to, you know, had the, you know, the house, thought I'd go a little bigger and better. Um, which was interesting. It just, it just popped up on an MLS. And I just, like I said, I had that calling, like I need to get this building. Uh, right. so, so I drove out there and um, it just the awe of the building when you get there. It's amazing. Uh, the woodwork in there is still a lot of natural woodwork in there. Um, but kind of on the walkthrough, I uh, got quite a few EVPs, some which I couldn't make out. They were whispers and stuff. And as much as I tried to, you know, tweak them out, I couldn't. But like I got the word body um, and I got like the word like I see you. Um, so just a couple of those things and, uh, nothing really much on the spirit box or anything, but I just kind of, just kind of had a feel. So I went ahead and purchased it. Um, we did start getting a little bit more, uh, now I've only been there four times now, as far as for investigating, um, there's absolutely, um, zero power to this building. And I've had a lot of K2 interaction. Uh, we actually put a China hutch in, um, with a bunch of Masonic items that were donated to us. Uh, put the K2 in there and that was going off crazy all the way to red. Um, right. We've had the EMF rope. We've had the EMF lantern go off. We've had a lot of REM pods, uh, quite a bit of uh, EVPs um, with, with, with what we're doing. And, um, but right now, like our fa- my favorite story so far, and of course I, we've only been there four times. So it was kind of cool, but um, Teresa was in the kitchen uh, making a sandwich and I was in one room, I'm just talking on the phone and the other two teammates were in the same room as I were, but they were just talking amongst each other. And all of a sudden I heard this loud bam. And I thought, did Teresa just drop the cooler on the floor? Like that's how loud I was just like thinking, would she drop it? You know? And then she comes busting through the door and she's like, Oh my God, something just slammed something behind me. Um, So we go (laughs) in there, you know, obviously there's nothing on the floor because the lodge is empty. I mean, it's only got the few chairs and tables we got in there. At right. this point. And, um, you know, all we could do is like we opened a cupboard door and slammed it. And it was that same exact sound. Even if we went in the other room and did it, that was exactly what we heard. Um, and later than doing an Estes session, um, we had somebody tell us that uh, the spirit's name was Harold and he opens and slams doors and such. And he thought it was funny because it's a, he thinks it's hilarious. So, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I see myself being that goat just messing with people because I get such a kick out of it. Oh yeah. And I'm sure, and I'm sure he got a kick out of her because she said she jumped up in the air and then just busted (laughs) through the door. And then, you know, she always used to laugh about, she's like, you know, you watch those videos and people just, you know, something happens and they run away and she goes and here, I'm the one that just did it. Right. (laughs) I get it. And you know, the stupid thing for me is you catch me on an investigation you know, you might get my attention, you might, you know, startle me, but for the most part, I don't do anything. And, but there is this one game that I've been playing called the Demonologist, and it's the paranormal investigation game. You're, you're going into a lot, you know, like a real paranormal investigation, but they got this game set up to the point where it had made me jump out of my chair multiple times. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I can do a real investigation, but I can't really play paranormal game because they freak me out <laughs> um now 
have you ever had an interaction at either location where the the entity was actually able to physically either move or turn on or off any of your equipment? Uh, yeah, we did it. You know, like I said, we're limited right now at the lodge. I haven't been as much. Um, but the Boyd house, um, we do get a lot of different things that actually move in the home. Um, probably like my favorite thing is we did learn that uh, many and probably other spirits do. They actually like to play cards. Um, you can you can play a great game of 21 with them with a K2 meter because they'll they'll hit it directly every single time right. <laughs> you know, if they want to hit or not. Um, but I was, you know, playing poker and stuff with them one night and I had one card and I just push it to the edge. It was never, ever hanging over whatsoever, just right to the edge. And I asked them, you know, I, I, a lot of times I was just like, Hey, you know, if you're having fun and I just, you know, push that card off, that'll let, that'll let me know, you know, that you guys are having right. fun right? Um, and then the last night time I said it, it was about 1145 and then I decided to go to bed. And I said, you know, hey, just push that off. We've had fun tonight. Now it's been great, you know. And I actually, um, in the morning, I walked down and that card was on the floor. And they I got it on film. They threw it off at about 1210. So about 20 minutes later, after I had left, it just like, just, whoop, just right off right. the table. <laughs> so, you know, well, I was pretty excited that they, they had done that. Right. Well, what I'm getting at is, I mean, like, did they, do they ever actually, uh, interfere with your equipment so that you couldn't use it? Like, do they turn off your camera or uh, anything like that? Oh, yeah. We've had that malfunctions. We're like, why is this not working? Um, you know, we had right. in a lot of different locations, too. It's like, it just doesn't explain it. Or like, well, I just put new batteries in it. You know, why isn't it working? Mm -hmm. it's not even turning on. And um, yeah, so we do get that at the Boyd House tour. They'll just drain the batteries. We get a lot of that um, where you just put them in and then they're already dead. Um, so, yeah, just different things as well. Yeah, I find that like extremely frustrating because last year I was helping Lisa Marie on her global ghost hunt and um, the situation kind of got uh, a little messed up, so we had to do find an emergency location, and I brought her to this one, and I've been there for years. <clears throat> but this is actually on the stream. In the span of one hour, I went through four batteries. Oh, wow. Pissed me off to no end, because <laughs> I was like, I've got one battery left. Don't do this to me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, you can literally see the bars dropping. It was just nuts. <clears throat> have you ever had anything follow you back from either any of the locations you've gone to? I, yeah, I personally have not, um, that I was aware of. Uh, right. I know my, one of my, well, two of my teammates have had stuff happen to them. Uh, I know shortly after we got back from Melbourne Manor, uh, my buddy, Alex, he said that shortly, like a day or two after he said that given he lived in an apartment that the faucet in the kitchen and the bathroom would just start randomly turning on and they would find it running. They said his dog started just randomly barking a uh, behavior that mm -hmm. his dog had never did. Um, and then he just kind of said, you need to go back to where you, you know, belong and just kind of did his little, and then it just kind of ended. Um, and then Donna, after we went left from Edinburgh Manor, she said she kept seeing this cowboy 
around her house. Um, she said she even woke up in the middle of the night and he's like, pardon me, ma'am. So <laughs> she, said, she just kind well, of, at least he's polite. Yeah. She said, well, I think you kind of need to go back to where you belong. Um, and so then he just kind of disappeared, but yeah, me personally, no, I usually just tell him to stay, um, do a little prayer and just really hope for the best, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and I only ask because, you know, with the Masonic Lodge, I've heard, I've heard stories of people that investigate, you know, the kind of building and with all the myths and legends and conspiracy theories about them. I've often wondered what are the, what is the likelihood that a handful of these lodges were used for certain rituals or activities that would permanently stain that location. And if it turns out that that lodge that you just got uh, was something like that, would you still keep it? And if you do, what would you, how would you prepare investigators for that? Oh yeah. I don't, I think if I found anything negative or bad about it, I'd still keep it, you know? Um, you know, so far I haven't found anything. They seem to be very welcoming at this point. Um, but that doesn't mean things can change. Like we, like I say, we're just, you know, scratching the tip of the iceberg here. We just got in there. We don't know what's all there. Good, bad, evil. We don't know. Um, but from what I, I have personally found out at this point, we all seem to be pretty receptive. Um, we've done a a good, uh, Teresa is a very, she's almost very psychic medium. Um, but with her Estes method is just incredible what she pulls through and um, we've just, they've told us that they acknowledged our work there. Um, they kind of ordained us in a way they called us sister and brothers. Um, we actually had a child come through and then the, he said that his friend died there too. Uh, basically, I'm guessing either smallpox or um, some sort of fevery thing because he said that he was hot, almost like he was on fire and he had sores on his body um, before he died. Um, and so I haven't found any newspapers or anything to confirm this, but I feel that uh, because the, you know, the Masonics and the Shriner is very similar, but you need to be a Masonic before your Shriner, but they do a lot of things with kids. Um, but I also feel like back in the day, if they had a pandemic in town, you know, they're not going to want the kids all over the place. They're not going to stick them at the hotel where people travel to. So why not put them all up in the lodge and we'll, right take care of them there. Um, so hopefully I can find some correlation on there. That's just my speculation, just based on, um, you know, more than one kid being there. Um, that that's kind of, kind of my, where I'm going, but we'll see. Like I said, I just recently got, I'm just getting some information now. I'm kind of developing in the newspaper articles and all the stuff. So, um, and I did know they had a huge picnic in like 1912. Like they had over a thousand tenants come from all over, um, you know, different states and everything being shipped in by train um, for this big picnic that they had. So just I'm just just learning all kinds of stuff right now. Right now, when was this lodge built? Uh, 1861. So she's old. <laughs> she's uh, right. yeah, she's all brick. Um, and then so like the basement, there's like two rooms two and a half rooms really 
um, all brick. And then when you, when you enter the lodge, um, you can go left or right. And there's like uh, two really, both of those doors that'll close together and they have glass, you know, each separate individual glass panes. Um, so those go into different rooms and then you'll enter the grand dining hall. Then there's another room in the back and I'm not really sure at this point what it was used for. Um, and then there's the kitchen and then upstairs there's like two smaller rooms and then the big huge lodge where they held their meetings and there's altars on each end of the building. And then there's, uh, they, right. must, they must have had movies too because there's a projection room. Uh, real small where you, they would have their projector and then you can see up by one of the altars where the screen, you can see where that was hung as well. Huh. For probably, you know, more in the more recent times when they had projectors. Um, right. Yeah. So just, just a lot of history, a lot of, a lot of things going on. And it, I'm just starting to learn a lot about the Masons and, and their rituals and things that they did. And it is super fascinating. Um and just all the stuff we've been getting donated to just, you know, like a lot of the books, the Bibles, the handbooks, the codes, the, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, it's really kind of opening my eyes on to, on to everything that's going on. You know, I would encourage you to either get a metal detector or get a hold of somebody who has one and run a detector over the ground. I mean, from 1861 to now, who knows what you're going to dig up? Oh, I know. Not, I know. It's I, not uncommon for people to bury things on their property, you know, like little uh, piggy banks or small time capsules, something. Right, right. Yeah. And gold. I heard they buried a lot of gold and stuff, too. So uh, I just worry about digging up gas lines and stuff. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, that, you know, I haven't had much time. Basically, I've been cleaning and kind of getting things ready. Um, right. I have a few things. Uh, so there's somebody who bought it before I did. So I think they cleaned out a lot of stuff. So I'm really sad about that. Um, but mm -hmm. I did find a lot of the original skeleton keys um, to all the doors in the house. Um, they were like on a, on a, like a nail, like you could, you normally wouldn't find it. I was just cleaning and ran on my hand up and all of a sudden like, ting, I'm like, Oh, what's that? <laughs> and there's like all these keys. Uh, right. I found like a ticket for a play. Um, that was done. And then I found a pamphlet for um, the lodge. So they one of the ceremonies they had. So it like listed the few songs that they would sing. Um, so huh. I got those. And then there's a sign in there, um, you know, that you couldn't take anything out without the um, permission of Mary Burns, um, who was with the um, Eastern Star, which is the female versions of the Mason. Yeah. Um, and then actually had her ice bucket there, which is just basically a styrofoam fish bucket. But just because her name was on it and everything, I kept that. I put that on a cabinet. I kept the sign. I put it in a frame now because it was starting to curl up and, and fall apart. Um, so I got mm -hmm. that in a frame. And then they had also had a sign for like a spaghetti feedback in the 2020 or 20 something, 2010 or something. Right. Um, so then I kept the frame that just because it's got the lodge and stuff. And I put that up and. I actually did um, find out they, they did a lot of different dinners and and, stu and stuff there. Um, so they had a lot of people come in for, uh, you know, they serve, you know, spaghetti or donations for whatever they were doing. So Right. I mean, it sounds like this particular Masonic Lodge was a very outgoing and public uh, function group. Which seems a little unusual because most Masonic lodges I hear, they're not, you know, like recluse or anything, 
but I don't know. I mean, I would think that, you know, I'm Masonic Lodge. Not admit it because I'm so immersed in the the legends and conspiracies of Masonic Lodge that I kind of developed this obscure view of, you know, not shying away from the public, but not making the effort to be involved with the public. Mm. So to hear about all these things that this lodge did, I'm definitely going to have to go back and start relooking at some of their stuff. Yeah, I mean, like I said, mine seem to be really friendly and outgoing and stuff, but you know what? So are the people of the town. I have never felt so welcome in a town that I've ever been to than this particular town of Keysburg. Everybody has been super sweet, um, very willing to come forward with uh, different ghost stories. Um, We actually had a a lady who was in the lodge at one point. Uh, She said she came in, uh, she saw somebody scrubbing the floors on their hands and knees, went into, you know, didn't think anything of it, went in the kitchen, you know, saw the people who she knew and said, hey, who's out there scrubbing the kitchen floor? Or not the kitchen floor, the, the dining room floor. And they were like, there's nobody here scrubbing the floors. Of course, then they all go out there. And, of course, there's, there's nobody scrubbing the floors. <laughs> so, <All right. laughs> so, yeah, just kind of a, a little bit of, you know, I've had people say that they've seen, uh, they've taken pictures of, like, a green mist um, outside. And, and the ones that they showed me kind of almost looked like they were trying to form, like, a human form. Um, right. Green mist outside of the building. And uh, interesting on that. And I had never told uh, any of my teammates that I was shown that photograph and two of them were upstairs up in the uh, lodge area where the meeting room was. And they both saw like a green mist uh, floating up in the, in the ceiling area. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's nice to know that at least the Masonic lodge is in a community that's open to the paranormal. Oh yeah. I think half the town's haunted. Cause boy, did I hear stories about different people's houses different buildings in the town. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I did, I think it's just got a long history. I mean, the town was founded in like 18 something. I forget it's on, it's on my website. I'm not good with numbers, but um, you know, it was from a different, an immigrant who came over um, and uh, his last name was, or was it Keith? I'm really bad. They're going to really hate the town. People are going to hate me. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's all on our website. <laughs> <laughs> at 1861masonic.com it's all right there for you that's the correct history correct. Um, 1861masonic.com it's haunted 1861masonic okay haunted 1861.com yeah. all right yeah masonic.com yeah and so um yeah so they this was like the second or third building that was ever built in that town uh so it's it's been a lodge for a very very long time uh, so, and I don't, it, interesting enough, I got the deed that starts at like 1912, but I don't have anything from 1861 to 1912. So I got to figure out now what, what the heck was going on at that point in time too. So, and you know, a lot of the, some of the stuff that, you know, happened probably earlier on, you know, could have been more of the ritualistic and and that kind of stuff too. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing is, that I've noticed uh, with places like that in small towns, it's really not that surprising that you would have a hard time finding like some of the earliest documents about it because a lot of times they didn't keep very good records or sometimes right. there'll be a small fire somewhere or there'll be a flood or sometimes, you know, they build a new office and they move stuff and then they just get lost. Uh, have you, did you encounter that issue with the Boyd House or were you able to find documentation that 
almost goes back to the very beginning. Uh, yeah, actually, with the Boyd House, I did have um, the documentation actually starting when it was actually owned by the St. Louis and Minneapolis Railroad. Uh, okay. And, and then, um, then it always had like the trustees, like Charles Hatch was one of the first trustees of the land and the town. Mm-hmm. And he, he committed suicide in his office. And then another guy came. So that's like actually all on the deed. It just keeps going from there. Um, we did have different people, a few, it wasn't many because, you know, it goes back to 1889. They took over 1912. So not a huge okay. span of time. Um, there was one, maybe one or two people um, after the house was built that live there, but nothing significant. Like I didn't find anything like, oh, they died there. Cause it was, it is like they right. sold the house and they moved on. Um, but you know, I can't find anything like, oh, maybe one of their children died there. Like, I don't know, you know, and right. we, we get a lot of stuff too, the, like the constant certain names that will constantly get up, but nothing ties to uh, my deed that correlates that as well. But, you know, we did, we did bring the house back to the 1900s and we did fill it up with a ton of antiques. Um, so there could be some energy brought in from those items. And we've also purchased some of the supposed haunted dolls. Uh, so there could also be, you know, something from that as well. So just, just right. a lot of different energy. And I think doing the paranormal, the investigating, we're kind of creating a beacon, getting some of those spirits to just kind of come through uh, and then the railroad tracks for energy. So there's just a lot of different things going at Boyd that kind of makes it uh, the way it is. So where, you know, with, with the Masonic Lodge, where is it located within the town? I mean, is it like in the middle? Or is it on the outskirts? Uh, you know, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere because <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> how most haunted places are. Yeah. Uh, about 600 people. Uh, it, you know, it's more on the southern um, border of Iowa area where Keysburg is. Um, okay. You cross over the Mississippi River, and then we're about 30 minutes in um, from the Iowa border. And, um, it, you know, it's real pretty drive, you know, single lane, you know, country roads, and all of a sudden, poof, you're there. Um, so, yeah, real small town as well. So not not much going on there, but. A little bit more populated than Boyd. That, like I said, they have like six hundred people. So, right now, what what <clears throat> what is your goal with the Boyd House and the Masonic Lodge? I mean, a lot of people tend to get these locations, you know, who turn it into a profit of venture, you know, which I'm fine with. I don't care. I mean. You do what you got to do. You make a living. Uh, some people want to preserve the location. Some people want to keep the the area almost like uh, like a, a care center for spirit, so that people can actually be able to do investigations and see the experience for themselves. What's your goal with all with these locations? Well, just like, you know, like you say, preserve the history. Um, you know, the Boyd mm-hmm. House, we have a history book of the family, all kinds of pictures, their family tree, and, you know, anything we could find on them um, just to keep that memory alive. Uh, we've put a lot of work into the Boyd House. We, like I said, we've updated it to the 1900s. You know, we've wallpapered, we'd fixed things. Um, we've put a new roof on it. We still have a long ways to go. We got windows and we got to paint. We got to fix some stairwells. Um, so all the money that people come in and generate from the investigation pretty much goes right back into the restoration of the house. 
uh, planning on doing that as well with the Masonic Lodge. You know, it's um, it's in really great shape for being from 1861, but it does need some upkeep. It does need a new roof. Um, I did right. get a couple quotes on that. Not the cheapest. Um, and then it needs like all new windows because a lot of them have been broken um, and a couple of them are boarding up. So we do need, you know, we got some work to do there. Um, right now it's real primitive. Um, we don't have any um, plumbing, heat or electricity at the Masonic Lodge. And those will be things coming after we fix, of course, the main things on the roof and getting some of the windows done. And then after that, we'll work on getting uh, more of those amenities uh, but I kind of feel like as paranormal investigators, if you have a bathroom, you're happy. Um, so we um, have a porta potty available for people to use. Um, and there's also a bar next door and a gas station right, you know, behind us. Um, so it's not, you know, as horrible <laughs> as <laughs> right. in the middle of nowhere. So you can at least go over to Casey's and get a pizza and some snacks. And I mean, go over to the bar and get some awesome food. Um but yeah, just pretty much um, restoring and preserving the buildings. I am hoping with the lodge being as a bigger, uh, it's 4,000 square feet, so quite bigger. We're hoping maybe we can do some sort of convention or get together or something in 2025. It takes a little bit to plan. Um, right. Just, um, just the possibilities are endless with it right now. So I just closed on it uh, end of September. So um, just kind of getting it up and running and getting people in there and uh, just kind of going from there at this point. Now, have you ever faced the concern of the city or a certain neighborhood uh, wanting to close it down or um, level it? Uh, I know one place, uh, Oxford, Victoria down in uh yeah i've just been no, here victoria sorry yeah, yeah. Been hearing about that you know and and that that's a sad story because you hear places like that with that much history and they get bought out or they get foreclosed and then they get leveled and once it's gone it's gone there's nothing left right uh have you ever faced the concern any concerns like that uh no you know i um don't have any problem with it at the boyd house you know they're kind of 50 50 as far as the town goes of whether it's haunted whether it's not whether i'm in it for money um but right. as far as the uh place i pay the tax for the county they're fine uh um, okay. that's and that's all that matters before i purchased um the boyd house or i'm sorry the masonic lodge i actually called um the city of keysburg and spoke with them and they actually double checked with the mayor and she said, yeah, that's awesome. Bring them on in. Um, okay. so, so yeah, they're all for it. I've actually met the mayor. She's awesome. Um, townspeople are phenomenal. Like when we were just out there after we bought it, you know, doing work outside, like everybody stops up, says hello. We gave so many tours. Um, just, just a fabulous town. And have you uh, thought to, Maybe uh, get in contact with the historical society to to help with uh, promotion, or you know, uh, have they, have they ever been involved with this Masonic Lodge from a historical point? Uh, no, I know at one point, uh, some one of the locals had told me that there used to be the old historic uh, sign on the building. So mm -hmm. at one point, somebody must have started it, and there is something in the basement, a sign that said Illinois Preservation Society. Uh, so I was going to hit all those up. I will be out there um, in April for a whole week. 
um, just getting things going because we're going to be open for investigations starting May 1st. Um, May 1st, all right. And I will have a lot more uh, time to go to these places. Um, you know, being in Minnesota, it's in Illinois. It just takes some time to get there. Uh, so we right. we will be getting some information a little bit more on that. And like I said, I'm, I'm kind of doing some of my own investigation too, not with the deed and stuff, just looking up people's names and, and finding some history. Right. So, and there are still some people in town who uh, used to be part of the Masonic Lodge, um, but since it's not that, oh, nice. so I would like to, um, I've been given a couple phone numbers of those people. I just need to reach out and just get their stories and, I'd actually like to meet up with them so they can come to the lodge and show me like, this is what it used to look like. So I can renovate it and bring it back to the way it used to be. Right. Well, we are just over an hour and we managed to cover a lot and I feel like there's still more to go over. Would you be willing to come back on? Oh yeah, for sure. We'd love to to chit chat. I got stories. I can talk for hours. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so here's what I'll do. Um, I'll give you right now. Shout out whatever you want to shout out, advertise, promote, whatever you want to say. Uh, let people know, like you said, you do you are opening the Masonic Lodge on May first, and the Boyd House is open. Correct. Um. And I do have the link in the description, but we'll get the one for the Masonic Lodge up on Spectre Radio. So what else do you want to say to people to get them more interested in checking out your location? Yeah, if you're just looking for a fun place to come and investigate, um, you know, they're real friendly, nothing real negative at that. Um, you get both places to yourself. There is no one there. It is a self-check-in. Um, the only restriction I have is no drugs and alcohol. Uh, no parties, that kind of thing. But otherwise, you're free to roam and, and have fun and, and do what you want. And please share what you get because I love seeing um, what people have. And we give you a real good time. Um, you know, I think real generous with that. We let you come in at 3 p.m. And then you don't have to check out till noon the next day. So you get quite a bit of time at both locations. So, yeah, just come check us out. Um, like I said, BoydHouse217.com. Or you can do the Haunted1861Masonic.com. Um, it's got all the information that you need there on how to book it, cost, time, and everything. So, All right. Well, hang out real quick in the back room, and I will talk to you once I get this closed out and explain more of what I'll be able to do to help get this show out there and get you some more exposure. Awesome. Thank you so much. No problem. I'm glad to have you on, and I will look forward to having you on again. Yes, definitely looking forward to that. All right. Well, hang out in the back room and I'll talk to you in just a second. Okay. Sounds good. All right. All right. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's going to be it for Spectre Radio tonight. And uh, if you want to catch up on this show, if you missed part of it, you can always go back and watch it from the beginning. Otherwise, you can download the audio of tonight's show after 2 p.m. Central Time tomorrow. It'll be up on Spotify, our Heart Radio, RSS, Samsung Podcast, Apple Podcast, and whatever insane platform out there. And I appreciate everybody for stopping by. And again, if you want to show some support, share this out. You don't have to share it to a lot of locations. Just share it to one place, and that'll help me get seen by more people. And again, 
if you have a podcast and you want to get it on a network, check out Parapost Network Central. And also, don't forget Global Ghost Hunt, which is coming up this spring. Get on there, www.globalghosthunt.com. See what they have to offer. The nightmare didn't just stop last year. It's about to start again. So to everybody out there that's listening, be smart, be safe. And as I always say, stay spooky.